Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. Hey, we would love for you to leave us a rating and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We love the great ones, but the bad ones help us get better too, so we will take them. We love hearing from you either way, and those reviews help other ministry leaders like you find our podcast too. Hey, I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, and I'm here in the studio as usual with Nathan Howard. What's up? And Katie Wiley. Hello. And today's conversation is with Allison Yandel and Andrew Prescott, and I can't wait to get into this. But first, let us tell you a little bit about who they are. Over the past decade, Allison has been committed to innovation in the local church. Gen Z has changed the youth ministry game, and Allison is driven to equip the church to be a creative and impactful presence in the local and global community. Originally from Oklahoma, she now calls South Florida home, where she serves as the director of FEED, an initiative of One Hope, helping to spread a new philosophy of youth ministry and design free resources for youth pastors all over the world. And Andrew serves as the youth pastor of Oaks in Red Oak, Texas, as part of the champion team with Feed. Andrew has been part of conversations that help shape many of the tools and content that are available today. Andrew's passionate about knowing Jesus and making him known by shepherding students and stewarding leaders. Also, and I love this, Andrew, uh, he hopes to stay in the game and eventually be one of those gray-haired youth pastors. So we hope the same for you too, buddy. We hope that for you too. That out of the way, Allison, let me start with you and just tell us a little bit about Feed, the vision behind it, and how it got started. Right. Well, kind of the the overarching thing is that Feed is an initiative of One Hope. And so One Hope has been dedicated to serving the local church with scripture engagement um, with kids and teens globally. And um, One Hope has really had a primary focus on serving those under-resourced churches around the world, but never really got into that North America area until recently, until Feed. And so um, Feed started because about five years ago, One Hope began having a conversation with some leading youth pastors around the United States and exploring how we could serve them in their youth ministry. And we just kept asking, hey, what are the challenges that you're facing and what opportunities that you do you see? Um, and out of those conversations, we really recognize that young people are growing up in this post-truth culture, that there's evolving technology and all of these shifting family dynamics, especially within the last year, we've seen that accelerated. Um, but we also just identified that there were a lot of challenges of biblical literacy among young people. And there um, was an undeniable trend of, of Christian teens leaving their faith as well after they were graduating high school. Um, so Feed really began as a recognition that Gen Z is unique and they have unique characteristics and need innovative ways to engage with scripture. Um, and so those were kind of the dynamics and the issues that were too large for any one church to address alone. Um, there needed to be a new way of thinking about youth ministry. There needed to be a new way of doing youth ministry. And there needed to be a community of next-gen practitioners to really lead that change. Um, and so because of all those conversations, because of those dynamics, because of those issues, because of the research that One Hope was able to do, that was the birthplace of FEED. And really, at its core, what FEED is, is we're proposing innovative ways of thinking about and doing youth ministry with Gen Z. That's, that's like the easiest way to put it. And um, we don't even want to just, just bring up, hey, here's some ideas. But we also wanted to have practical resources that were fueling those ideas as well. Um, yeah, so that, that's feed at the most simplistic um, 
kind of explanation of it and, and what we're about and, and what we're, we're seeking to do. And we're just really thankful to be able to partner with guys like Andrew, who have helped us architect this and um, really help us understand what's happening in youth ministry and, and how we can make a meaningful contribution to that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for taking a minute just to kind of set the baseline for everybody on what Feed is and how it got started. I love that it is uh, from youth pastors that that they're involved in speaking to it in its origination and continuing to go uh, and its continued development. I originally became familiar with Feed um, through the Instagram account and through the research that you guys were posting there. So that was my first exposure to it and thought, uh, man, I got to find out more about what's happening here and what's going on. Uh, so that has happened over the last little bit and we find ourselves here today and I'm so excited to have this conversation. Um, so real quick here at the beginning, tell some, tell us how people can connect to, cause I mentioned the Instagram account. That's how I first started to engage with what you guys are doing with feed. Uh, I know you have a website where they can find research and all those things. So let's go ahead. Uh, Allison, why don't you tell us how people can find you guys? Yeah, yeah. So Instagram is at Feed Youth Ministry. And our website is feed.bible. And those are the two easiest way to connect with us. And we're super responsive. We want to be able to connect individually with people. And so I would just really encourage the listeners, if you guys go on and check out our website, or you're wanting to learn more about our resources, connect with us one on one, click that contact button, and you'll you'll probably hear from me, actually. Um, I'd just love to hear what's going on with your specific context of youth ministry and how, how you can help out. Um, the other thing I'll mention real quick, I'll just put a plug in for this. We're talking about research and One Hope if you know anything about One Hope, we call ourselves, you know, data nerds. Like we <laughs> love research and it's a big part of the work that we do globally. And so um, I'm actually going to be talking a little bit today about um, a global Gen Z report that we just released last fall. And so you can actually access that for free and read the U.S. report and get access to a lot of other resources as well connected with that. And that's globalyouthculture.net. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I, you set it up so perfectly. So I was going to mention that I've been looking over the Global Youth Culture United States report. I haven't gotten into the global one yet, but have been uh, looking through the United States report. And listeners, I would just tell you, uh, whether you're serving in as a student pastor in whatever context you are, or if you're a volunteer leader that's listening to this, this information is so, so helpful. Uh, you hear us talk about on the podcast a lot, the importance of studying the culture in which teenagers live. And if we're going to pastor them well, then we need to know what's going on in and around their lives. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, I guess, I was going to use the word stunning. And then as I thought about it, I thought, Maybe there, there, there's some surprise, but maybe not as far as stunning, but definitely eye-opening for uh, for people to understand. And the first one of those um, you guys mentioned kind of in uh, setting up this, this conversation today, and that is 51% of teens surveyed identified themselves as Christian, but only 8% display the beliefs and habits of a committed Christian. Yeah. So that's one of those things that, like really, again, stands out and is an eye opener for us. One, that 51% of teens surveyed self-identified as Christian. Uh, man, when I saw that, I was like, man, that's pretty high. 
Uh, I was not expecting it to to, uh, to be that high. Of course, we're talking about self-identification here. But then when you go to the next part and it says 8% display the habits and beliefs of a committed Christian, that kind of brings it down into, and, and Andrew, I'd love to hear from you on this, down to like, these are the ones that are really living it out. 8% is really the ones that are saying, my faith, my identification as a Christian actually makes a difference in my everyday life. So Andrew, I want to I would love to hear from right. you on that and and if you are seeing that in your area there in Red Oaks and how that research informs how you pastor. Yeah, absolutely. So when we say a committed Christian, some of the factors that go into that are do they pray at all yeah. on a consistent basis? Is that the response to life whenever it hits them and something's going wrong? Are they reading their scripture even just once a week? Like we're talking even verse of the day. Is there any self exposure to the word of God? And are they involved in a faith community? And I know we're, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the thing that hit us over the past year is the mental health benefits of being a part of a faith community in the word of God. You wouldn't think it was related, but they did a study and they saw that the people that were engaged in the Word of God and a faith community had significantly less struggle by percentage with anxiety, with depression, with even suicidal thoughts. So that's one of the things where it's like it's a stat that really can shake you and cause you to think, how can I be the most intentional youth pastor possible? Because I'm telling you, uh, like these stats, these studies, yes, the human soul has the same needs that it's always had. Uh, it needs community, it needs love, it needs relationship with God and others. But at the same time, these can really help change the course of what content you're presenting to students, how you're presenting the content to students. Because I'm telling you, youth pastors love crowds, students of this generation love conversations. Mm. And they want us to get in circles. We need less rows, more circles. We need youth pastors who are willing to forget about the, the topical sermons for a bit and teach students how to in, like engage in the word of God. Cause Allison said this, but biblical literacy is a term that every youth pastor needs to know and let it hit them. Biblical literacy that if students leave their youth ministry and don't know how to engage in the word of God for themselves, we're going to continue to see 60 to 70% of students leaving the faith after high school. So a little, little bit passionate here, but I'm, I'm seeing it every day and, and we're trying to be, uh, as intentional as possible with this valuable data that we now have. Man, I love what you the way you phrased crowds into conversations. Uh, and man, we see that over and over and over in the in the youth pastors that we talk to and the environments that we are with youth pastors that and I think you articulated it beautifully, crowds to conversations. You also talked about scripture and the importance uh, like we would all say and probably for a lot longer than just right now since the research has come out. Uh, but man, it's really important for teenagers to embrace God's word and learn how to study it for themselves. Like that's something that we would say has been thought for a long time. However, also in this research, it came out that of this group, three in five teenagers in the U.S. say they never read religious scripture on their own. So while student ministry has had yeah. this value of students need to be in God's word, there has been a breakdown in that actually translating into teenagers spending time with it on their own. 
Allison, I would love to hear from you kind of on that, on that statistic, on that certain part of the research and three and five teenagers in the U S say they never read religious scripture on their own. Uh, and in your meetings with the group of youth pastors collectively, were you guys able to identify maybe some of the reasons why it doesn't get to them doing it on their own versus just hearing God's word from the student ministry environment? Right, right. So there's a lot of different ways to answer that question. And um, I'll say the common theme in a lot of conversations that I had um, have been, how do you help a student to understand how they can view their lives through a biblical lens? Mm -hmm. And the Bible is a beautiful, complex um, book (laughs) that has a lot of layers to it. And there's so much context that that's what we talk when we talk about biblical literacy. We're not just talking about a knowledge of the Bible, but we're also talking about a competency. Um, So this competency piece of understanding why a book of the Bible is written a certain way and who was it written for and all these things that I think as youth pastors, if if we've been able to go through seminary, um, we've kind of had exposure to those deeper Bible study tools that really help make the text come to life, but students haven't had that. They haven't had that competency competency piece, and they haven't had the ability to be able to know how they bridge um, their own scripture engagement to influence, influence on their lives, Mm -hmm. influence on the lives around them. And so Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a good understanding, I think, of what biblical literacy actually is. And I don't think you can really um, spread something when you don't fully understand its impact and its power. And I think um, there was also a shift for a while where the Bible was was a tricky thing to talk about, especially when we're working in more evangelistic context. Um, You know, you really want to make sure that you're giving students a good understanding of, of Scripture. Yeah, And um, I think for a while, too, there was a fear among youth ministries to let students wrestle with Scripture. There was a pressure that volunteers had and that youth pastors had that I got to give my students all these answers. Mm. And so they're coming back asking really complicated mm. questions about Scripture. That, that's one of the most powerful things about feed is that you're actually introducing the tension of asking tough questions about the Bible. I think a lot of students feel like they're doing something bad when they doubt something about Mm. God or about his word. When in reality, doubt is the first step in a journey to discovering who God really is or discovering the objective truth that the scriptures present. So ultimately, with even the question answer format uh, that feed content is in, that's a bold thing to claim because Truth in this generation is considered to be subjective completely for the most part, but you're presenting an objective truth rooted in the word of God, and you're actually helping them walk through this journey of self-discovery to come to the, to come to the realization that perhaps this is true. Because ultimately, if I'm the youth pastor and all they're hearing is, this is true, this is true, this is true, they leave the youth ministry and they have my faith and they don't own it for themselves. Yeah. So catechism is giving them the opportunity to own their own faith and to seek and find the truth for themselves. And ultimately, I believe that's what God's heart is too. Because I'm telling you, something we challenge our leaders to do all the time is what we call conversational intelligence. If you're a small group leader and you're leading a discussion, if you talk more than the students in your circle, you didn't lead a discussion, you just preached. 
And so we're trying to challenge our leaders to say, hey, just pose the question, let them wrestle with it, let them ask questions. And you got to trust the Holy Spirit to be leading them. And you have the word of God as a guide and as the standard and it's everything's pointing to it. So ultimately, it's uh, the first thing we really notice is that it caused more doubts than answers initially. But uh, we, we got to be patient with the j- journey of students taking those steps, asking those tough questions and someone to come alongside them and be like, hey, this is actually good. You're on your way. And if you keep sinking, you keep knocking, you're going to find the answer. Andrew, you talked. I want to double click on something that you said really, really quickly. You you mentioned your leaders and their role in this and their conversation facilitators more than they are lesson teachers. Uh, What I was going to go to a minute ago, and then you led us wonderfully into leaders, is this competency in scripture that Allison mentioned. And in order for a group of teenagers to begin to show competency in scripture beyond scriptural, just, I know facts, they can sit down with their Bible, navigate it, understand some things, be able to wrestle. What do you do? What's the approach that you take with your leaders to make sure that they too have scriptural competency? Because man, you're one person, you're not going to be able to deliver that to every student in your ministry. It's got to come down to those people that are having those circle conversations. Like you mentioned a minute ago, what do right. you do in terms of training and equipping so that they can pass on competency that they have in their own lives? Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, leadership development uh, to be in tandem with the, the Bible content is so essential. So for us, what that looks like is we have our leaders arrive 45 minutes early and we actually give them like a TED talk. So mm-hmm. we're constantly casting this vision. We're teaching this culture of conversational intelligence. We're saying like, hey, don't use head cannon. Don't just share what like you heard from your pastor way back when. We're going to stick to the content. We're going to let the questions guide. The scripture that's within it is going to be the root of the conversation. We're always pointing because it always presents a big question and a big answer. All of our responses are pointing to the big answer. Or for us, we even equip our leaders with questions in addition to the content that Feed provides. Because we're like, sometimes you ask a question, the students just blank stare. We created a, a second layer of questions called silence breakers, mm-hmm. where instead of just like, letting the silence sit there or giving them the answer. You actually ask a second question. You're trying to get them to self-discover it based on the word of God. But ultimately, uh, if you're not having weekly reminders of what to do and what not to do as a discussion leader, if you're not uh, sending videos, even when you can, every time you get a break to coach them up, if you're not having leadership uh, gatherings, trainings to sit them down and be like, Hey, here's what the win looks like for you as a small group leader. Uh, then ultimately you can find yourself, um, teaching something you did not intend because there's no accountability and there's no leadership development. So that's a whole nother piece that we've actually been wrestling with, with the feed champion team is how do we hit the leadership training side of this thing? Cause the content's gold. There's no question about it. I think it's the best small group content in the world. It partners with some of the best content creators like Bible project in the world. Um, you know, sometimes I even think we get in trouble because it's free because it's like, <laughs> it's too good to be true. But I'm like, no, for real, it really is that good. Uh, and it's just plug and play and an easy win. And sometimes, I mean, I'll just say we're doing a mental health series here the next month. And it actually started with the small group material. And then we made a sermon series around it. Yeah. And so it's, it's a powerful tool, but yeah. Well, let's camp out at the, you mentioned the mental health thing, uh, just now, because I know that was a pretty big part of what came out in the research as well. Absolutely. The mental health. I think we can 
say crisis, I was going to go issues, but we can go crisis here, that's happening. And I think we would all admit that over the last year uh, that mental health issues have been increasing in those that have had them already. So we had uh, a local counselor therapist on the podcast a few episodes ago, and he talked about how during COVID issues that were pre-existing have been multiplied. Their impact has been multiplied. So if there was addiction already there, then COVID has multiplied that addiction. And if mental health issues were there, then that has multiplied those thoughts or feelings or, or whatever the case may be person by person. And I know you guys saw in the research, uh, 35% of teens in the U S report having had suicidal thoughts within the last three months happened to be the high, according to your study, that's the highest rate of any other country in the countries that you study. So it is an issue that happens every that have at least in the countries that you guys studied, but it happens at a greater degree here. Three and four teens reported feeling of loneliness. Two and three reported high anxiety. Three and five reported depression. So all of these things roll up into one issue that we believe that the church can have a voice into that the church can have a say in this. And that's, that's not to remove the importance of counseling and therapy. I think that both of those things can coexist and should exist. Mm -hmm. But Allison, I would love to hear from you first on this one. And just if there were things that came out of this particular point in the study that surprised you or caused you to take a second glance at and how you think the church is uniquely equipped to help teenagers walk through these issues. Right. And I'll say kind of my answer to that question is one and the same. And Andrew mentioned this earlier, but you know, the, that, that 35%. And the one thing I'll mention really quickly is that this study was done pre COVID. Mm. And so you just alluded to it from hearing from a therapist that, you know, that those issues, those mental health issues have been compounded over the last year. And so I would venture to say that this is this is actually uh, much higher now. If you know, if if I can if I can take off my official research hat for a second, <laughs> I think that thirty five percent is a lot higher. You know, but more than just that, it's not just suicidal uh, ideation that we're seeing. It's, it's three and four teens that are reporting feelings of loneliness, and two and three reporting high anxiety, and three and five reporting um, depression. You know, so it's 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 a big topic, and it's not even happening within the church. It's happening nationwide as That's well, right. and students are are grappling with it. You know, we we have surveys that we put out through one of our feed tools called um, Insights, where you can just send out a survey to your students, yeah. and we ask them, "Hey, what are the topics that are on your mind?" And like the number two topic that they're thinking about is anxiety and how they yeah. deal with it. For us, it was number so, one when we did the Insight survey. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety. So it's a, it's a, it's a major issue for students. And um, so to, to go back to answering your question, um, what surprised me and what really opened my eyes. And again, Andrew mentioned this earlier was students who are fall into that committed Christian versus nominal who are engaged in a faith community who have spiritual disciplines report lower instances of those severe mental health issues across the board. Um, and, and when you see the actual, the visualization of those numbers, it's, it's remarkable. 
And I don't think, even as someone who believes in the local church, who is a product of the local church, who I've invested my life into the local church, actually mm-hmm. seeing that, yes, if we can get teens to have a committed relationship, it doesn't mean that their lives are going to be free of mental health issues or seasons where that's a struggle, but it means that we're going to see a far less instance of that. And I think the opportunity that churches have is to destigmatize the conversation, which yeah. is what we try and help do through through feed resources. Is just kind of arm youth pastors with the skills that they need and, and some talking points that they can be able to be guided through those mental health conversations. But to also help students understand that there is biblical truth to be found that that scripture does have an answer about mental health. And um, I will say that it it does get tricky when we start talking about mental illness um, and an actual diagnosable mental issue. Um, So we don't want to ever spiritually bypass that. Right. But we do want to give students the equip, the equipping and the framework that they need to be able to understand that having a real and authentic relationship with God and having spiritual disciplines, being plugged into a faith community really does have a positive effect on their life, especially with mental health. Yeah, that's great. Andrew, you mentioned uh, in there that the anxiety one came back as number one for you in your particular group. What are some things that you're doing? Because I know that's not an isolated situation. Uh, what are some things you're doing to help students? Well, let me ask it two ways. What are you doing to help leaders be able to address anxiety with their students in those conversations? And then from that, what are you doing specifically to help students address, to have an open environment to address anxiety? Yeah. So ultimately for us, it it really is crisis level. I think that's a, Hmm. a word that would accurately describe it. Uh, just think about how students were isolated completely uh, so from the normal friend circles, relationships, sports, school, everything, uh, and now they're being uh, brought out of their bedrooms, out of their houses, and we're seeing all these things come up. Guys, we had four to five students uh, admitted to mental institutions. I've never even heard of, of that happening with any of my youth pastor friends, but this is happening because we're seeing this issue rise to the surface more than it really ever has. And so what we realized we needed to do, first of all, is we needed to re-up our policies with leaders of what do you do if your student expresses to you that they're struggling with serious anxiety? And it's like, okay, they have, they're having suicidal thoughts. How do you respond differently if they're saying, hey, I, I, like, I'm, just, I'm so frustrated, I'm freaking out, I just feel like I want to kill myself versus them having a plan? And how do we respond differently and pastor with that? When do we bring the parents into the conversation? Do you bring the parents into the conversation depending on what that atmosphere is? So we... I've had to rehash out, especially now as we're ramping up into our mental health series, where we're actually going to be bringing in a Christian counselor to sit down with me on stage and have both the psychological uh, profession and the word of God in tandem together to help our students see how they can take steps towards growth and health. This has been a massive, massive undertaking for us to make sure that we have the systems in place to back up what we're about to do. Because if you talk about mental health, all the shells that students have been hiding behind are going to be opened up and you got to be ready to help guide students to a place to get help or to a place of truth where they can begin conquering some of these fears, stresses that are going on in their lives every day. So ultimately, I think the, the, the policies are essential. I think the training, you need to have a consistent moment with your leaders to train them and coach them and continue to drip that culture. And then honestly, if, if I can just throw this in there, 
for us, something that we take as a value is community before cause. So community before cause means like, man, you can belong here before you even ever believe. If you come here, like we, we say almost every week, it's okay to not be okay when you come here, but it's also impossible to stay that way. We like, we believe that in faith, like you can come in and ultimately it causes us to shift the whole model of our youth ministry. It used to be like, yo, service and then peace out. And we're like, yo, we actually need to shorten service a little bit and create an environment post-service to just enjoy community. And we're coaching our leaders. We're like, Hey guys, three to five meaningful conversations. Let's go. Let's get out there. Let's connect with students. Let's remember some names. Let's hear some stories because ultimately students just need some community. It's part of one of those traits of a committed Christian. But if you're not cultivating that environment, you may never even hear some of those conversations where students are struggling. And honestly, the moments they open up might be in a more social context than a spiritual one. Uh, so ultimately, we're, we're even going as far as adjusting the way we do things to possibly open up the opportunity for a student to be that transparent and share what they're going through. But yeah, we got the mental health series. We're going to be Wednesdays talking about it with a professional counselor. And on weekends, we're going through the feed catechism, mental health, small group series. And we're going to be looking at some biblical truth um, and some question answer like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Man, thanks for sharing that. I think that's going to be really valuable for people to hear as they're no doubt processing I'm leading in my own ministry. It may not be the context of South Dallas, or or but wherever they are, I know students in my ministry are dealing with anxiety. How can I approach that? What are some options and things? So I appreciate you getting real practical there and saying, hey, here's what we're doing and seeing it work. Uh, one of the right. things that was also in this uh, research study is 58% of Christian teenagers don't believe they have a responsibility to share their faith. Um. That's a high number, right? That it's it's really high. 58% say, I don't have a responsibility to share my faith. At the same time, if we know that only 8% of them are praying, are reading their Bible at all, then that kind of, this kind of doesn't surprise me as much as it want, layered on top of that 8% have the habits of committed Christians. So Andrew, I would love to hear from you what you're doing to move someone from, Hey, I'm a Christian. Maybe that's cultural. Maybe my parents are Christians and I'm kind of living off of their faith right now. How do you move a student from that in your ministry to beginning to exhibit habits of a committed Christian, or to put it in your words that you just used just a moment ago to own their faith rather than owning someone else's faith? So ultimately, to, to all the youth pastors and leaders, if you want to have influence with your students in these most important areas that make up a committed Christian lifestyle, engagement with the Bible, prayer, evangelism, influence comes from overflow. Hmm. So if you want to see students start to do this, you have to be the embodiment of what you hope your students will eventually do themselves. And so ultimately, students need to hear stories of you succeeding and failing in efforts of evangelism. They need to hear you be real about the struggle of consistency, perhaps with the word of God. It's like, you know what? It's really not popping right now. I haven't gotten much, but you know what? I'm going to continue to get in the word of God because it's the moments where I don't want to do it, where it's actually worship. If I'm motivated and it's going good, that's easy money, but it's sacrifice if you're doing it on the days where you ain't got a bunch of time, you've had a busy schedule, you didn't get a lot of sleep, but you're willing to put that work in. Ultimately, they need to see what you're saying they should do. And I think there needs to be some youth pastors that rise up and unapologetically are living this lifestyle that they want their students to lead 
whenever they step out of high school. So the first thing I would say is like, dude, man, even from not from the crowd perspective, uh, heaven counts by ones, not 100s. But I feel like in ministry, we sometimes get that backwards. Mm. And so ultimately, we need to start letting there be stories that come before stats of individual students that are getting this. And if a student begins to get it, they're on fire. Bring that student on stage and let them share the testimony and the struggle and the success of that they're going through as they're beginning to experiment with what does evangelism really look like for me? What does it look like uh, to be a true follower of Christ and then evolve into discipleship where it's, hey, I'm not just following him. I'm telling people, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. But the, the answer I would give first is, man, let the youth pastor be living this life that overflows and influences their students, but on a more <laughs> practical side of things. It's like, I think, uh, and I'm speaking for myself too, the temptation is to give the most fancy wordsmith uh, word every Wednesday night that's topical and it's got the hot illustration and the video and things like this. But I just can't forget what Paul says when he says, when I preach the word of God, I don't use clever speech. And he says, the reason I don't do that is because the cross of Christ would literally lose its power. And so he takes that as a hindrance. So it's like, dude, talk about reading the Bible. Talk about what prayer really looks like. Talk about what it means to engage in the word of God. Hey, the worship set's going. Stop that thing smack dab in the middle and teach your students to engage the word of God. Do they know why they're raising their hands? Let's help them to get their body, mind, and spirit all aligned, giving full attention to God. Let's slow down. Let's get away from one-liners. And let's teach the fundamentals that literally I'm looking at a student. I'm saying, hey, I know you're going to be okay if you just know how to hear God's voice. You're in the word of God and you have a faith community. All this other stuff, all these fancy things, just I need you to understand these fundamental disciplines so that you can make it. And you're not going to follow this trend of people leaving the church. I, I don't I don't care if they remember anything I say, as long as they know that the value of being in the word of God, being competent, literate. Uh, understanding that it's a 2000 year old book. So you got to do a little bit of legwork to understand the historical and cu cultural context. But ultimately that comes with some simplicity in our strategy, the content being the core disciplines of the faith. We might actually see a lot more long lasting fruit from that than some hot message or some, something like this. So I'm speaking a lot from passion. I'm speaking from conviction. I'm speaking from a lot of time looking in the mirror and realizing I've been leading in such a way uh, that it really isn't going to be for the benefit of the students two years down the road once they've left my youth ministry. I, I want to start talking about the things that matter and living the life that's going to be an example unto them. Man, that's good. Andrew, thank you for uh, sharing from your heart there and what you guys what you guys are doing. Allison, I, I want to throw the last question your way and just ask you kind of what's on the horizon. I, I'm not asking you to give away any like trade secrets here, but would love for you just to kind of say, hey, here's what's next for Feed. Here's what you can be looking out for from us. And like I said, I've engaged on the Instagram and have been on y'all's websites and love what you guys are doing and think it's a really, really valuable help to youth pastors. And so would love to hear what you guys have got coming up. Yeah, well, let me just say, I think people get nervous when they hear that I'm going on a podcast because I am the queen of giving away trade secrets because <laughs> I get Tell so excited Tell about us. what's happening with Seed that there's been multiple occasions where I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this, but this is what I'm excited about right now. Spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> I would say there's a, there's a few projects that I'm just really, really to not overuse the word, but excited yeah. about. And because I, I think they're going to have a lot of impact. And and first of all, is we're working to really um, help understand what are the hard conversations 
that youth pastors are trying to have right now. And I think 2020 did a lot to uncover Mm. a lot of issues that the church has been, I don't think they've been fearful of, but it's just been more of a, I don't even know how to begin to approach this with my students. And and even to how, how do I even talk about what the Bible has to say about this? And so we're really wrestling with that right now. And how do we create resources that can really help support that? And so our small group series that Andrew mentioned, we um, are coming out with, with some new ones. We're talking about biblical love. It's actually called What is Love is going to be our next small group series release. And we're taking on these different things about about what is love and what does that look like and, and what does the Bible mean by that? Um, so those are those are some small group series that I'm excited about. Other than that, uh, the other thing that I'm I'm really thankful to is Andrew mentioned this whole thing of how do you equip your youth leaders mm. and how does a youth pastor equip themselves with the knowledge of how to do this? And so we are working hard on our team to release some leader resources. So these are going to be most likely video-based because it's still in design phase right now, but training that you can get for yourself, training that a youth, uh, you can give to your youth leaders. And that's going to be coming out this year. And then also, we're really working hard on our team to, to really understand what do students need and how can we lend ourselves to that. And so really creating more resources in that feed ecosystem that really are connecting with students' needs right now. Um, and really helping them to take ownership of their faith and dive deeper into scripture and dive deeper into that influence piece of how do I share my faith with others. Um, so those are some things that are on the horizon for us and so much more that I didn't even mention. But um, you definitely, if you're if you're not keeping up with feed on social media, check it out because there's constantly something new happening. And um, it's 20, 2021 is going to be an exciting year for us. I love it, man. Thanks for sharing that and love what you guys are doing. Thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. Just as a quick reminder, this episode has been a constant reminder, youth pastors, to study your community, study your students, use a tool like the insights, like they've been talking about to get to know your teenagers. Use nationwide research. Also do your own research in your specific context of your community so that you can pastor Well, this has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next week.